Welcome to Finding True Worth, a podcast dedicated to people who have graduated from self-improvement books and promises of quick fixes and are ready to take action. I'm Amani Esamed, spiritual advisor and personal growth mentor. In each episode, we bring you a guest sharing insights, wisdom, and strategies designed to help you cultivate self-authority and create a life based on true worth. Today, it is my pleasure to have my good friends and clients, Marty and Ezra Wen, join me to speak on the topic of realigning with your authentic self. Thank you so much for being here. We've been having these conversations in context of private mentorship, and we thought many of the things that we've been discussing could be beneficial for others to hear. Hello, Marty and Ezra, and welcome to the show. Hello, Amani. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thanks for asking. So to kick things off, Marty and Ezra, can you give us a little bit of your personal background and upbringing? And I'll start with Ezra, and then we can move to Marty. Well, thank you for having us, number one. And as far as my upbringing is concerned, I grew up all over the place. I grew up in the Middle East and then in Canada and then moved to the United States. And that's where I met Marty Wynn. And so we've been, I've been a professional fighter for years, got into real estate as well as now trucking industry with with my husband, Marty. That's wonderful. And that's a pretty diverse. So not only diverse in terms of different (laughs) countries you've lived in, but different industries that you've actually done business in. Thank you. you. What about you, Marty? Where has been your personal upbringing and background like? Well, I grew up here in Washington, D.C. and uh, went to high school here, graduated. And now I have a background, obviously, in sports entertainment because I met this beautiful five-time world championship fighter. Went on to be a sports entertainment promoter and also have real estate as well as in trucking as well. So I've been a Washingtonian all my life. Yeah, go Washingtonians. Me too. So just when you were young, let me ex and I'll pose this to Marty first. What did you think was most important in order to win at life? I believe that people's reality when I, well, when I was young, my reality was just to be rich. <laughs> that was my reality, right? But I was always taught, right, to go to school, graduate, get a good job, retire. But I thought to win that you had to be consistent. I knew that very early on. But you also had to have some type of perseverance. I had to learn from your mistakes. So I was never really afraid of failing. I just learned to fail quick and then learn from the failure. Mm. Uh, did you want to chime in, Ezra, with what do you think was important in order to win when you were young? Well, um, growing up in a different background, you know, our culture, you know, is basically, you know, you get married, you take care of your kids, you know, it's it's more of a traditional family oriented, you know, get a good job, you know, and, and just take care of the family. So we weren't, it wasn't more so being rich or wealthy, it's just being stable. And that's, that's a win for us. Yeah. And so like with Marty, in terms of talking about rich and having a nice home and having money in the bank, we can see how that is winning and being consistent and being and persevering has to do with external factors motivating that or being the measuring stick, which is a little different for you because although it's still external because it's the social or your environment that's projecting what winning is in terms of having the family life and being stable, it is still that 
understanding to win at life is actually you guys looking outwards to define that. So with that said, did you ever have an inkling that external things or external social norms that you were chasing was actually not all that important? And I'll start with you, Isra. Yeah, for me, as far as that's concerned, the external for me never really mattered. I wasn't so caught up in other outside stuff making us happy or making us rich or, you know, it was more so internal for me. You know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, you, you're healthy, you're happy, you know, and like I said, it's, it's the stability of the internal family oriented, you know, I guess, norm for us than it was to have external things like the cars and the houses and all that stuff. That to us wasn't as important. And let me ask you about that because once again, when I think about although family from an internal standpoint, those the ideology of that projection of what that means to win or what that means to be doing well in life, did that really align to what you saw winning at life meant as you matured, as you gained life experience and became an adult? Did that shift any way for you? Or is that something you still hold true to today? Yeah, I mean, I still hold true to that today, but I think in a different light because I know that, you know, finances matter, you know, as far as life is concerned, when now you're starting to have a family and kids and things that they want and and not necessarily need, but more so want, you just have to keep that education of it's the inside that matters than the outside, you know, all that doesn't really make you happy, you know, and and I know that a lot of people say, you know, being rich or being wealthy gives you options, which is amazing but I'm still staying I still stay true to that idea but it has changed a little bit you know meeting Marty and him you know more so focusing on finances than you know than myself got that and we're going to go a little bit deeper with that thought but I'm just going to switch it over to Marty and ask him the same questions did you begin to realize or ask yourself questions about life and began rethinking or realigning what your truths were from your external motivations from the time that you were young and understanding what winning was. Yeah, you know, growing up, it was all we saw, right? I grew up in a totally different environment where our role models had nice cars, nice home, jewelry, money. And yes, it was family as well. But as an Afro-American man, and was always taught to be a provider for my family is all I knew. Now, as I grew and met Israel and started realizing internally what was more important outside of the finances, right? I mean, yes, you need finances, but also you can't take it with you, right? So being able to be shifted, if you will, uh, we are a reality of what we think, right? And what we see and do is a projection on our life. And so I always say today as a, a man is that what's more important, being a little bit older, now it's family, it's children, it's not necessarily the lifestyle. Lifestyle can be a different, a, a variety of different things. But for me, it's just, just waking up, right? And my family are being able to eat and we can pay our bills and we can help other people grow. It's a total different trajectory of my thinking from when I was raised. Yeah. And just taking that a step further, as far as taking care of family, taking care of community, let's talk about the authentic self. What would you consider is your authentic? 
authentic self. And what does that even mean? And me, either one of you can take that question. Mm-hmm. For me, my authentic self is family, right? I want, what I want is to be able to provide something today where I'm long gone is still being able to operate as if I'm still here. Mm. That's my authentic self. I've done my job, right? And one of the most important things for me is to be able to provide. It's not necessarily providing of income, but providing something where the life of my children and my wife is better, whether I'm here or whether I'm not here, is still operating in the same accord from what we started collectively together. That's my authentic self. And when you hear that, what does that mean to you, Marty? It means authentic self. My, when I say authentic self, I'm just being real. This, this is who I am. This is, there's no fluff. What you see is what you get, right? If I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm sad, I'm sad. My emotions are not worn on my sleeve. You're going to know that I'm upset or that I'm happy, right? I don't hold back anything, right? I don't keep anything sequestered or, or you know, my wife would tell you, I, I just, I let it all out, right? I don't hold anything. So you don't have to really worry about if Marty's upset today, you will probably know that I'm upset today, right? Because I'm going to tell you. So, you know, I don't hold anything back. So what I hear is authenticity. I hear transparency. I hear there's no buffer. (laughs) Like you said, what you see is what you get. Shifting that same question to you, Isra, what do you consider is your authentic self? And what does that even mean to you? Well, I'm, I believe that your authentic self is, like Marty said, you know, being who you are and who you are meant to be here on earth. And what is your purpose? You know, for me, you know, my purpose is to make sure, like he said, my kids are good. Make sure they're healthy, they're happy, they're safe. And it's the education from me and from Marty that teaches them how to navigate this life when whether we're here or not, like he said. And I think that's the uh, that's my authentic self is being able to provide that for my kids, you know, here and when I'm gone. And what I love, excuse me, about this response is that nothing is rooted in terms of finances. Nothing is rooted in terms of some societal success. It really is just that easy to be the best providers to your children, to be to have the biggest impact you can to the people around you that you love and care for, as well as the, your community. So just diving a little bit deeper, as we become more mature and more aware, there's a friction that begins to happen with one's truth versus societal pressures. And it almost feels like swimming against a strong current, trying to get you to the other side. So can you talk a little bit about how you went from being led by external truths to now being led more aligned with your internal truth? And either one of you welcome to jump in um, with uh, that question. Man, that is, that's such a great question, oh, right? Yeah. Because there's a loaded question, right? <laughs> I shoot myself. You know, it's amazing because just a little while ago, I was asking Israel, why is it that people care what other people think when it comes to finances, life, or what have you? And I think it really, I think it's a thing of being not emotionally sound, right? Or really caring about what other people think, right? Insecurities. And so when you have an insecurity, and I'm speaking from a man's perspective, when you have an insecurity, you tend to tackle things that build your security, which is false sense of security. Mm. So for a man, it can be a nice home. Mm. It can be a nice car. It's external. It's shiny. Because 
I speak about leadership a lot. And when you speak about or think about the individual that builds you up or or speaks on how great you are, that's a great feeling, right? It builds you up. But internally, when no one's speaking about you, you're still torn down internally, Mm. right? So it's hard to shift from what you are versus who they think you are. Mm. And so that's why it's important to get around authentic individuals that will hold you accountable because you do become the sum total of the people that you hang around. Sometimes that's a false sense and sometimes it's a real sense. And I appreciate that. So can you walk us through an experience that you've gone through where you were, you acknowledged, hey, I'm not completely aligned with my true self, or I can see me being influenced by societal pressures and really having to go through the agonizing process of, if you will, trying to get to this side of you that you can honor that, like what you spoke of earlier, of what you see is what you get. There is no buffer. There's just transparency. This is who I am. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard life when you're trying to figure out who you are, right? So many of us live with ourselves not knowing who we are, right? And I think I've done that for years. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got a little older when I started realizing I had like eight cars, nine cars. I'm like, for what? So every time I get to a point where I need to feel more important, I would buy a new car. Mm. And someone would say, man, that's a nice car. I'm like, yeah, I feel good about that. But, you know, when you pay $2,000 a month for the next 12 months, that's, that's not a good feeling. So at some point, along with your coaching, right, because you have to have coaching, right? You have to have somebody say, you know what? Who are you truly? Mm. Like, like in life, you have seasons, Right. But what season are you in? Are you always in the springtime or is there any winter? It's okay to fail. It's okay to be uh, not perfect in someone else's eyes. Mm. So I had to hold myself accountable and then realize that the conversation I was having with the person in the mirror was actually me, my own reflection, which is one of the hardest conversations you're going to have is with yourself. Right. So I even say that today. Train, if you're speaking to yourself reflection wise in the mirror and you're being your true authentic self, you probably can't finish the conversation. Mm -hmm. Wow. So is it possible based on that? And thank you for being so vulnerable and open with that. Is it possible that when you say you had these eight cars and you were looking to hear, oh, that's a nice car. Was it really about that person saying you had a nice car or were you really at the end of the day trying to just prove something to yourself when you're standing in that mirror? Proving something to myself is more justification. Mm. Right. It's justification and it's a justification from how you grow up. Right. Because strong men, strong men. So they call us strong men. Uh, you hear us speak about finances, even in today's society. It's everything shiny. Everything is money. Everything's big house, big cars, beautiful woman. Right. All these different things that justifies your manhood. It really has nothing to do with the manhood. Right. Because it's hard to sit beside someone who has everything or look as if they have everything. And then the person that actually is beside you has really nothing. They're broken uh, relationally and socially and economically and really financially because everything they have, they're driving or they Mm -hmm. live. Right. So, again, when you get around those individuals and I think you become real with you, then you start to realize if you wanted to, it's a beautiful thing when you know as a man, I can get that car. I just don't need it right now. For what? Why do I need the car? Right? I can get that $300 bill. No one's going to see it if your shirt's over it. Right? So who cares about it? So things become more important in my life today as a 49-year-old man than it was when I was a 39-year-old man. Hmm. Right? So I don't need justification because I can just justify my own mistakes and actions. Hmm. That's wonderful. And if I could just turn the same question to you, Ezra, if you could talk about, you know, 
how you perhaps may have been at some point in time of your life, if you've ever, you know, led by external truths to acknowledging that or seeing that and having to go through that painstaking journey of saying, hey, I got to be true to myself and more aligned to who I am. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as we get older, I mean, we do things in our 20s and 30s that, you know, are more externally driven, you know, as far as myself, you know, I was um, an athlete, a professional athlete, and you want the spotlight, you know, you want the the belts, you want to be a champion, you want, you know, for so many reasons. And it's more of an acknowledgement of, okay, I did this, I want you guys to acknowledge me because I did this, mm. you know, and then later on, it's more so about, you know, why am I doing this? And who am I trying to impress? You know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I just want to live my life happy, healthy, you know, and teach, you know, the kids or, you know, the family, what I've learned so that they don't have to go through those mistakes that, you know, that I did, or, you know, teach them that, you know, you do this because internally it makes you feel good. You're not externally looking for someone to give you praise for it. And, you know, like Marty said, we had to rearrange what we were, you know, what was important to us, you know, with conversations like this with you about why do we need to buy a big house? Why do we need to have all these cars or this expensive car? You know, we need to, you know, put stuff in place for the future of our kids, not for us right now, right here, because we're looking for, you know, something like he said, shiny or new or, you know, some acknowledgement. Mm. And just to add more context to that, so our listeners can get a feel for that. When you got that, whether it was through our talks and whether, as you said, Ezra, maturing when you're in your 20s and 30s, you are looking for the external things. And as you become older, I guess, wiser, you're looking more internally for to find that meaning and to find what feels right for you. What does that mean for you today? So if life is not about having the eight cars, having the big house, and you saw those as not your authentic truth, how do you lead life now? So for me, it's more so being able, like he said, being able to do it, but having the option not to, if that makes sense. You know, you you say to yourself, we can buy the big house, we can buy these nice cars, but right now that's not what's important to us, you know? Mm. And I think that's where we live right now, as far as in our best state, it's more so let's build so that we have the option to do what it is that we want to do, need to do, or have to do. And that's, I think that's where we are right now in our life is that, that place where the big house doesn't matter but we don't really use half of it anyway. Why do we have it? You know, we drive a a decent car. It it takes us from A to B. You know, why do we have to, you know, purchase another car that pays? We can put that money into our kids' school fund or buying them a car when they turn 16. And that's kind of where our minds have shifted. So that's where the importance comes in. And that's such a huge shift, Ezra. So if I could just pose this question to Marty, how has this way of living, this authentic truth, challenged your thinking? Oh, man. Listen, (laughs) here's the funny thing. As you get older, it's a true statement that you get wiser Mm. if you have awareness, 
right? You must have awareness and you must be so upfront and real with you, right? I think for me, it's a beautiful thing to wake up with no stress, right? I remember our water bill every quarter was 1500 Our water bill today, 300 mm-hmm. Our electric bill every month, 900 Our electric bill today, $124, <laughs> right? So it's still lights, right? We still have a nice home. And listen, it's not that we won't purchase another home. It was just about realigning, recalibrating, mm-hmm. right? And realizing, you know, when you have a six, 7,000 square foot home, I think, listen, that's great. If you can afford it and if your tax dollars push you in a place where you must buy that particular home, or maybe you should buy it a different way so you can get the benefit from it. Like, I don't ever want to buy a home where there's no benefit, right? Mm-hmm. But my thinking today is truly about making sure my older self never, ever once or struggle for what I should have been doing. Maybe when I was in young, my, my younger self. Think about when people say, um, I'm living my best life. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're in trouble if you're living your best life right now. Like if you live for the next, God bless you live for another 40 years. If you live your best life in your 30s, you're going to be broke by the time you're 65 because you lived your best life. Right. So I'm always thinking about that. How can I put more away and maybe compound that? To make sure the people around me can have a better life. It's not just the money, but we, you know, we're in a capitalism world where you have to have some form of finances put up to take care of what it is that you need to take care of, especially as you get older. Yeah. And I really just want to take it back to that challenging your thinking. And you said, you know, so wonderfully is that it's about awareness. So we have so like different shows and different videos that advocate, you know, this positive thinking and train yourself to not have negative thoughts and all of this. But self-awareness, if you're not aware of what you've been doing, how you've been doing it and why you've been doing it, it's kind of hard to change the thought pattern Mm-hmm. behind the, what makes the thoughts up. Yeah. So I really appreciate you mentioning awareness because that is something key that I normally talk about a lot. Going on to our next question, because I feel like I have so much to ask. Often we talk about giving ourselves permission to see ourselves differently. Mm-hmm. So, and as we go through this process, we're kind of shifting our thoughts from who we were so many years ago, and we do run into challenges. So maybe, Israel, if you can probably talk about some of the ones that you faced as giving yourself to see yourself differently and going from one place you used to be to where you now are. Well, I think that you really have to sit with yourself and really dig deep into your thought patterns of, like you said, why is it that you're the way you are? Or why is it that you think the way you think? And it takes, I think it takes help from other people. I had to learn a lot of stuff about myself, not only through Marty, but, you know, through other people that have an an outside look instead of me only having that inside look. You know, we're very biased when it comes to ourselves and how we move and how we think. So sometimes you don't realize that you're doing certain things or you're acting a certain way or you're thinking a certain way because you're so comfortable in your skin doing that same that same activity. So, you know, you I had to really not only listen to 
Marty, when it comes to business and finances and why I was so sheltered when it comes to that and vice versa in different areas of our lives. And then also listening to yourself coming to you and and sitting down and talking about options of this is how, you know, maybe you should try to move or maybe, you know, we should try this or try that. And it's just sitting down and coming to something to allow you to move differently and learn more about yourself and your potential of how, you know, you can grow, you know, as we get older. So for me, it's more so, you know, just trying to listen to others when they have those opinions or where they have those ideas of you changing. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, for me, it's, you know, you, when you change, you grow and you can't change. I, I don't believe you can change by yourself with your own thoughts because I think you're limited. I agree. So I heard you say, is there really is three important pieces when you're when you're running into the challenge of wanting to make that shift is first you you have to sit with yourself you have to be with self and then secondly you have to acknowledge like in your case acknowledge a significant other's voice and what they have to say because they're outside looking in and then the thirdly thirdly is having the space where you can talk amongst with others about the options that there is because you're right when you're only thinking for yourself with yourself and by your by yourself your options are limited and you get to tap in or leverage off of other people's experience to help you gain more of that self-awareness so i completely love it did you want to share something with that marty i think she did great (laughs) 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 i mean she she's spot on right i mean we all have made mistakes right Mm-hmm. You're going to be the sum total of the people you hang around. You need that authentic group to tell you, listen, you're veering off left. And it's amazing because a lot of us veer off left, in my opinion, because we just don't set goals. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe we don't even know how to set goals. We don't write them down. Right? We don't give ourselves a date on the calendar to complete the goal. Or maybe we make our goals so small that we know we're going to accomplish them because they told us in school that we're going to fail. And if you fail, you're bad, you're dumb, you're stupid. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas that's the only way you're going to learn is if you fail. So mm-hmm. so I think that if you're hanging around some good folks that are you know honest with you and can hold you accountable, it's great to have accountability partners that would tell you, hey, listen, you told me he's going to do this on this day. How is that going? And check in with you. And mm-hmm. also you check in with them. And then it, it can make you a better person. Absolutely. And so accountability and having those people around you that hold you to being or keeping you accountable to what you say you're going to do. And with that said, because this is a challenge. I mean, if we go from this lifestyle of wanting to please external factors to now saying, no, I want to be okay with me based on me saying I'm okay with me. Yeah, you need an army behind you to encourage you to do that. So I commend you for both of you for even taking that journey and being where you are today. And you can't underestimate how much of that is a pushing of a boulder up a hill. So with that, what are, and this question is to either one of you, what are some of the benefits you've, you now feel that now that you're more aligned or you are aligned with your true self in life? Want to take that one? Yeah, stress relief. <laughs> we both <laughs> stress relief. Stress it's, it's very stressful to keep up 
with, they say the Joneses. I never met the Joneses to this day. <laughs> I would like to meet these individuals, but it's very, it's very stressful. And it's amazing the pressure that we all put on ourselves because that's what you're doing. You're putting the pressure on yourself. It's not like people came up to you and say, if you do this, you're going to be liked. And it's an amazing thing, right? Because it's all an emotion, right? I know for me, everything I've done was always an emotion. If I felt like I wanted a big house, I go buy a big house, right? And I feel good for six months, right? <laughs> and because the feeling goes away, I go buy a new car and I feel good until the new car smell goes away for six months, right? So I had to start saying to myself, is this an emotion? Is this something I actually want? So the stress is now today is just relief mm-hmm. to be able to go to bed and actually have a good night's sleep or to get mm-hmm. up when I'm finished sleeping. Or, you know, someone asked me the other day, do you work? Yes, but really, truly when I feel like it, right? Not because I have to, right? And that's that's a beautiful thing. I think Israel and I will work for the rest of our lives, but there's a difference in working because you love doing what you're doing versus because you have to do what you do. To keep up with these shiny things that people say, you know, you're doing great. You know, you see people with great houses, great lifestyle, great, beautiful clothes that eat out. Now you have social media that really puts it on 10, right? And people start telling themselves a lie of, I actually deserve it. And that's why I bought the car. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably do deserve it. And maybe that's why you bought the car, but why did you buy the car? Did you need the car? And if you needed the car, did you need that expensive of a car? Mm. A friend of mine just bought a car for $2,300 a month. And I said, did you take in consideration that you also have insurance for $600 a month? So it's $2,900 more than her mortgage, by the way, right? And so, but I knew that was an emotional buy. And I'm thinking, listen, everyone has to go through it. Everybody has a season. But if you don't have that awareness uh, that the season that you're in can put you in a season of, you know, I don't like the winter. But it can put you in a season of the wintertime where it's very cold and it's freezing and your bones ache and your heart is pounding and you can't sleep. Mm. That's a horrible place to be. So Mm. for me, it's absolutely not having that stress. Wow. What about you, Ezra? What are some of the benefits with living a life that's more aligned with your truth? Yeah, it is a big stress relief. You know, if you just sacrifice for a small period of time, and a lot of people don't like sacrificing. They don't like, you know, having to not be able to do certain things. But if you sacrifice for a small period of time, you know, you can do everything that you wanted to do and more and then some without the stress that's attached to it after that, like you said, that season of, you know, sacrifice. And I believe that, you know, stress is a silent killer. You know, a lot of people are trying to please so many other people externally than to be just fine with what they're doing and what they're what they've got being on track, you know, as far as you know, staying on track with their mission and what their purpose is and winning in the end, you know, as far as uh, I'm concerned, you know, we sacrificed for, you know, a couple of years. And it's been the even though it was a hard sacrifice, because you know, where we came from, and now where we are right now, Looking back, it's just amazing that we are now here where we are because of that small sacrifice. And not only that, we can do, we can get up and do whatever we want, you know, when we want, how we want to do it. And we're fine with it. Mm. So it just gives you a, a whole nother mindset shift, you know, when you do, you know, those sacrifices. It's so beneficial when you sacrifice, you know, it's, it's giving yourself that dedication, that determination, that discipline, 
And that discipline is just everything. No longer a false sense of security. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well said. And I know both of you shared that you enjoy serving and helping. You know, Marty mentioned leadership. Ezra, you mentioned helping the community. And I know personally in terms of, you know, pouring into me as far as health and all of that. Can you talk about, you know, to our listeners about the concept of serving and helping others and how that has helped you evolve? Yeah, I know for me, I love to see people win, mm. right? And it can be small wins. Every, you know, pe- I think people set goals and that's great and some people don't, but small wins, right? It can be, you know, we're in direct sales, we're, we, we mess around in real estate, now we're in this trucking. For me, I remember starting my trucking business, right? I'm now helping a lot of different people get into trucking and I'm trying to share with them, getting the truck is not the win. Actually having the mindset to start the business is the win, right? You started, you, you said, I want to do this and you took action. Right. So when I see people win and just making that small decision, no money is coming in at this point. You're just making the decision to win. And so I love that. Right. I'm speaking to a gentleman now. It just speaks to him more than I do. Mr. Rob Tacky. Right. Where I have kind of and also Mr. Kawan Rot Watts, 18 years old. I like to make people I don't know if this is the best way to say, it, but like a project. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Mr. Tacky is deaf. Right. He's hearing impaired. Where Mr. Kawan Watts is 18 so in this business, I'll ask him for an example, what is it that you want? So Mr. Watts says, I want to be an entrepreneur. And then Mr. Tacky says, I want to get to the top of the company, but I want to be the first person that's hearing impaired to get to the top. Of it. Mm-hmm. So it feels good to number one, work with them, right? And then number two, have them actually exceed the things that they never thought they could exceed, mm-hmm. like public speaking or opening up a call, right? Or small things like that. Now to me, it's small because I've done it already, but for them, it's huge, Mm-hmm. It's taking them out their comfort zone. So that's a huge win for them. And it's a huge win for me when I see people actually move into their, their authentic self or what they know who they are at that moment in that season within their life. And by you being able to lead them and what I hear is challenge them, how does that help you and how does that serve you? Because I heard you say, I like to see people win. But what does that do for you? Because it's almost like you go from this exterior lifestyle of wanting to win to now being a resource and pouring into others. And that's also a feel of the same type of win. So those are two different contrasts, two different worlds. So if you could just speak a little bit more, Marty, about how has that helped you? Um, one, one, it help, it's helped me a lot because I don't want people to make the same mistakes we made. Okay. I understand that people make mistakes, right? But shortening a person's learning curve is an unbelievable feeling. I'm speaking so much about set IRAs today. I've never spoke about set IRAs, right? <laughs> but it's like, it's like my go-to now, right? But I think for me, people are so misguided, right? They don't have those individuals around them. Or you have five people and everyone's trying to figure it out. And listen, I I tell people all the time, I'll be the first one to tell people, I don't know everything. I'm just connected to a lot of people that know a lot of stuff, which makes me look good, right? And when you have that, I think it's selfish if you don't share it, Mm. right? It's very selfish. When people say to me, well, who do your taxes? I say, call Imani. Well, what do you think about the S-Corp? Call Imani, (laughs) right? So, because I don't know all this stuff. I know some things because of our conversations, but let me put you in front of the expert who does actually study this, that this is what she knows, right? So it feels good when I say, you know what? It's not about the money, right? It's about being in a position and having the money work for you. Because if you don't have the money work for you, then you'll work for it. But you have to get around the right, some sort of the people who can guide you that way with the people who want to be coachable and want to learn. 
So that that gives me a lot of fulfillment. And I just got to clarify for my listeners that, you know, I want to say it's my side hustle, but that's been my career of being a CPA. So I do help a lot of business owners. But thank you for that. How about you, Israel? Is there anything that you would like our listeners to know about in the capacity of serving and helping people, especially and what you dear hold close to your heart in terms of nutrition and health has helped you evolve? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a great feeling to be able to help someone through their health journey. You know, I understand that, you know, we have one life, we have one body. You don't want to walk around feeling bad, having aches and pains. And I have the knowledge to help people get through that. And you have to, you know, when I work with somebody, a lot of times I do it for free, even though, you know, Marty (laughs) hates when I do that, but it's me helping people. And I know the bigger, bigger picture is, you know, when you serve others, it'll come back tenfold on you. But I just, I love to educate people and help people on their journey of health, because if you feel good, you do good. You're just better all the way around, you know, physically, if you, if you feel good and you know, you're, you see good, you feel good, you're everything just falls in place. And they always say that, you know, a a clear mind can kind of get you wherever you need to go, because it starts with your mind, all the decisions that we make start, you know, in your mind. And if you are healthy, and you can, you know, that can be like the, the mind can be clear, then you can make better decisions in life, not only in, you know, your physical, but in your financial, emotional, you know, relational, all of that. So it it just gives me a lot of pleasure to just help people through that journey. And it's not that, let me clear this up. Yeah. Because it's not that, Israel always says, you know, you get upset when I don't charge people. Well, I I I get the point. And I say to Israel all the time, right? I say, listen, people place value with their finances, right? And when you charge someone, number one, you should be charging. I mean, you five-time world champion, Hall of Fame inductee. You still look like you fight and you've never, you stopped fighting 10 years ago and you're in shape as if you have a fight tomorrow, right? You practice Chinese medicine. attest to that. Right? <laughs> you practice Chinese medicine, you're naturopathic, so you've done the work, right? And people tend, when they spend their money, they tend to show up. Mm-hmm. Right. It's almost like me giving something for free when it comes to entrepreneurship and the person doesn't show up to class. Mm-hmm. But then the person that pays two thousand dollars shows up because they put value there. Mm-hmm. Right. The person that, that's going to get it for free, maybe they don't see the value and they're not seeing the value because there's no money out their pocket. And if I can say this, I'll give you a prime example really quickly. My truck drivers. Right. I'm so lighthearted with these guys. For an example, one of my truck drivers just yesterday ran out of gas like you have no business running out of gas. Right. You're normal. I'll say, you know what? You made a mistake. No problem. But the moment I start charging them for the mistakes they've made, they'll stop making the mistakes. Yeah. Right. Because it's hurting their pockets. So the same thing when it comes to the value, putting value in what you do and putting value on others, I think. And is I, worth it. Oh, sorry. And, and I can see where you're saying. Oh, go ahead. 
I said, I'm learning. <laughs> and, and as we all are, right? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's all about awareness and having people around you to share things that you may not know about yourself. And I can see what Marty is talking about. It's yeah. more or less saying that you've done everything that needs to be done in this area and you serve yourself, right? You get to serve yourself when you can be of service to other people and exchange, you know, make money. So it's nothing wrong with that. This conversation has been so enlightening and on so many levels. I mean, I appreciate your level of vulnerability and authenticity and transparency as far as, you know, your challenges from going from external truths to internal truths. So as we wrap up this conversation, if I can ask, and I'll pose the question first to Ezra, is what does true worth mean to you? You said true worth? Mm-hmm. What does true worth mean to you? <laughs> true worth is um, just valuing yourself, you know, being able to put a value on yourself and what your knowledge is as far as, you know, teaching others or getting other people to, you know, move in their best light, you know, mm. is basically that, you know, putting just putting a value on your education, your time, yourself, what you've put in as far as work is concerned from, you know, being younger to now. And just that's worth. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderfully, perfectly said. How about you, Marty? What does true worth mean to you? True worth means to me, the reflection of my children and how they grow and what they give back to society. I believe that all the things that we've done will lead up into what it is that they become. Mm. And so when I think more, it's amazing because I have three little ones and I was not able, I'm able to father them better than I was able to father my oldest daughter, my oldest son. Mm. Right. And I know that I see that. So I think that as they grow and who they become, what they give back to society, as they grow as young ladies and how they handle themselves and represent our name will be the reflection of our worth. That's beautiful. Well said. Okay. So as we close out today, I just want to thank you again for being with us and sharing your story with us. Uh, your story really connected with what we've worked on as we begin to realign with our authentic self. And some of the things that our listeners want to is in terms of takeaway is first questioning your needs versus your wants. <laughs> Do I really need that $2,300 a month vehicle with $600 in insurance over my insurance more than my mortgage? Two, being willing to see yourself differently. Like uh, Ezra said, sitting still, listening to those around you. Marty said, you know, that awareness is everything and having people around you to keep you accountable. And then lastly, willing to seek approval from within rather than from without or the outside. I truly appreciate you being willing to share against your shifts and for being with us here today. Thank you, you guys. Thank you, Marty. Thank Thanks you for, for having, having us. us. Thank you for tuning in. Every inch of our episodes, we get closer to our truth. We are live every other Tuesday, so please join us and share this podcast with those close to you who could benefit. Each rating and review helps others to discover it too. For more episodes or to book an introductory session, go to findingtrueworth.com. The day is yours to create. I invite you to live it according to your truth.